Hey man, and welcome to another episode of Quality Manhood, a show meant for Christian men seeking to understand how to apply God's truth in everyday life. I'm one of the hosts of the show, PJ Burner, along with my co-host, Kellen Allen. What's happening? What's happening? Yep. Again, there's no, it's just what's happening. It's just what's happening, It's just man. what's happening. I'll tell you what's happening. The what's NBA playoffs <laughs> are happening. <laughs> You're excited because your team is up. 2-0. 2-0. And they're, uh... Luke imagine. They're not backing down at all. They're talking a little talking a little noise and hey, everything. Look, oh, I'm not mad at it. It's I'm good. just it's, I just Yeah. Because they're talking noise to a team. It's it's like the bully. Like the bully is the one that always talks noise, like the Pat Beverly and for the LA Clippers is the point guard. He's uh he's one that typically gets under people's skin and Luka Doncic is giving him a lot of work. Yeah, that's a for lot sure. Of it. That's for sure. <laughs> and letting them know too. That's for sure. <laughs> And meanwhile, I mean, the Lakers are are one yeah, and one we'll, in their series. We'll see. It's it's like a Hollywood show, literally. Well, you, you and I laugh about that, uh, and I, yeah, it's even it's it's beyond me. Uh, some of the theatrics that are happening in the game. But, theatrics? Uh, yeah. Did you say flops? Because I heard flops. You could call it flops. I I, I I'm with you on that. There, yeah. it, it it's a bit much now. I'm like, all right, all right, okay, come on, come yeah. on. Yeah. Like, let's let's you get breathe it going. on LeBron, and he collapses and calls nine one one. But like I told you, and I think it's worth making the point here, like. I think it's genius because he, uh, he he always says it's bigger than basketball, and so I think he's in Hollywood. He's in L.A. He knows his career is coming to a to an end at some point in time, and it's like, why not show people my acting skills right here? I got the, I got millions of viewers. Why not hey, just show them what I'm capable no, of? You know, that way I just ride into a, a movie. He, no, I mean, he's you know already. What my response to that is what Shazam with one <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal. I watched that movie. Yeah, when when did Shaq ever flop? I watched that movie. Well, hey, I, in the movies, maybe that he acted in those those were kind of flops. flops and, and his some of his albums. He was a good rapper, but he couldn't. That's right, he rapped too. He, I he forgot rapper, about that. A, and and uh, a sheriff at seven foot, four hundred and eighty two pounds. Like, yeah, trying to be an undercover sheriff. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> the other exciting thing, not just with playoffs and sports back, is is stadiums are opening back up. People are showing up because. Man, COVID just seems to be dropping, and we're grateful for that, at least here in the United States. I yeah. know in other places it's still, uh, you know, wreaking havoc, especially in, in India. Um, we've heard of, of so much going on there, and we're praying that that the Lord would, would just turn this around, not just here, but but everywhere. Right. Um, but here we've, we've seen, whether it's, you know, the vaccines or it's herd immunity or whatever it is, and we're not here to talk about those things in this episode, uh, you know, we're just... We're excited. We're encouraged. And one of the great things with that is uh, not just our church, but a lot of churches are now back and doors are open and people are showing up and people are coming back and people are getting vaccines or they're they're feeling more confident. They're getting off Zoom and they're coming back in person. Yeah. Um, and yet at the same time, there's there's probably some people out there that are still hesitant to get back to church. There's probably some people out there who have moved during COVID because right. they've had to. Yeah. Uh, there's probably some people out there who maybe their church shut down during COVID and isn't going to open their doors back up because right. they just can't. Um, and so what we want to talk about in this episode is what to look for. Number one, why the church is worth committing to. So maybe you're out there and you have been uh, sitting at home for months and your church has been online and maybe you've been uh, participating digitally, you've been Zooming with your church, 
uh, and you've gotten comfortable and you're thinking to yourself, man, do I really need to go back in person? Or maybe, uh, you know, the shutdown happened and you haven't even been online to church in a long time. Or maybe you moved and in and, and all of these things, whatever your scenario is, and maybe you're sitting there wondering, okay, do I really want to jump back in? Do I really want to give up my Sunday mornings? Do I really want to give up my maybe Saturday nights or weeknights? Is it really worth committing to? We want to talk about that in this episode. Why yes is the answer to that. The church yeah. is worth committing to. And then the second thing we want to talk about is for those of you guys who may be in a situation where you're looking for a new church, um, your church shut down or you moved or uh, whatever it may be, you're, you're trying to find a new church. What should you be asking when you look for a new church? So that's where we're going with this episode. Uh, but let's start by talking about why the church is worth committing to. Uh, Kellen, let's right away. Number one, what is one of the main words that, that God uses to describe the church in relationship to Jesus in the Bible? The bride of Christ. The bride of Christ. And we see that um, pulling out of Ephesians 5 when he compares it to us when we talk about the roles of wives and husbands. And in verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And I'll just stop there. But Christ gave himself up, put himself on, on the cross, allowed him to be or allowed himself to be beaten, tortured, punished, ridiculed, all those above for the church. And, uh, and that's why we need to first and foremost love our church and, and understand what it is that we get to be a part of, the body of Christ, uh, and take joy in that, knowing that this was part of the resurrection. This is um, who Christ left us to be and who he calls us to love is the body of Christ and, our, and his church. Right, because in, in later on in that passage in Ephesians 5, Paul says this mystery is profound, and I'm saying it relates to Christ and the church. Uh, it, you go to the book of Revelation, there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? There's this, uh, this wedding feast between Jesus and the church, between Jesus and his bride. And I've said it before, and it's not original to me. I heard it from somebody else, and I can't remember who. I've heard it multiple times, but basically it's, it's like this. If you tell me, hey, you know what, PJ, I, I really like you. You're a cool guy. I like hanging out with you, and we enjoy the same stuff, and it's, it's great being your friend, but man, I can't stand your wife, uh, then you and I have problems, yeah. right? I don't care if you like my personality. I don't care if you think I'm fun to be around. I don't care if, you know, what you have benefits. We, we you know, hang out and I, I buy all your meals. And so you want to be around me because you benefit from it, right? I, I, I don't care if you like me. If you don't like my wife, then we aren't close. Right. We've got a problem. And if, man, if you're out there going, well, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church, then basically, essentially what you're telling Jesus is, Jesus, I love you, but I don't like your bride. Right. And if that's the case, then you've got problems between you and Jesus. Right. Um, so yeah, the church is Jesus' bride. So we need to commit to the church. And then the second thing is on this list, and, and we've got 13 reasons why you should commit to the church, right? <laughs> Number two is, and Kellen, you alluded to it, Jesus died for the church. Right. Acts 20, 28. Paul says there to the elders in Ephesus, he says, look, you need to watch out. You need to care for, you need to, to, to look out for the church because it, it was bought with the blood of Christ. Yeah. Um, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die for an individual. He died for a people. Right. He, he died for the church. And that is so costly. And for us, that's one of the main reasons why we need to commit to the church because of the price that Jesus paid to form the church, to buy the church. It cost him his life and his blood was shed for the church, we need to be all in for the church. Yeah. Yeah. And you look at number three on this list is the church is your eternal family, uh, your eternal family. So when you think about when this life ends for us, the people that we will continue to be with, the people that we will be in heaven with, that we uh, will be 
worshiping God and 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 worshiping the for forever, forevermore. It's those people that you are with in church, um, Lord willing, they're saved, and we will spend time with them. And that what's interesting about this point is like we see it all the time. Those individuals who are in Christ, sometimes it's easier for us to have deeper conversations and longer conversations with those brothers and sisters that are in Christ because we share that 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 bond. We are one in Christ. We are the same. And uh, it becomes easier to have those meaningful relationships with those individuals than it is for our, our blood family a lot of times, the ones that are not in crisis, because we now have that bond in Christ. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit, and those are the individuals we're going to be with for eternity. So that even thinking about that, that God gives us a gift to relate to those that are in Christ, because those are the ones that we will be spending eternity with and that we will rejoice with and um, be in God's presence with forever. Right. In First John 3, John writes, see what kind of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called children of God, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. When Jesus was approached and by, his, by one of the, the crowd and they come up and they say, hey, your, your mom and your brothers, they're outside and, and they want you to come out and come with them, Jesus, because they were at the time not understanding what Jesus was doing, a little bit embarrassed at the crowds that were showing up with Jesus. And, and Jesus' response to them is, who are my mother, mother? Who, who are my brothers, right? Yeah. It's those that, that do the will of God, right. right? Which foundationally and fundamentally starts with us repenting and believing in Jesus as our Savior. But he, some of us get this backwards. Some of us say, man, the most important thing in my life is my blood family. And right. then comes the church. Well, the stark reality is some of your blood family, some of those sitting around your dinner table may not be in eternity with you right. if they're not in Christ. And you need to be doing everything that you can, men, to see that they come to faith in Jesus, but ultimately you can't control that. But even if everybody around your table is in Christ, your job, men, is to lead them into relationship in the church. Mm -hmm. It's not to idolize the family at the cost of the, the church, is to prioritize the church, is to invest in the church. Uh, not your kids' travel ball team and club teams and recitals and uh, gymnastics competitions and everything else. Uh, those things are temporary and reap no eternal rewards. The, the church is the most important thing that you can lead your family into. Um, and so we have to commit to the church because it's our eternal family. Uh, fourth, the church is the logical outcome of the gospel. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, we see the idea that the church uh, is, is the product of saved people who are then gifted and equipped to serve in the church. And, and so uh, it says even there that we were all baptized into one body, that mm -hmm. when we are saved, we are brought into the church. And you would say, well, that's the universal church. Okay, how is the universal church realized other than through the local church? It's not, right? right. If, if you say, I'm a Christian, I'm just not a part of the local church, I'm part of the universal church, uh, we've got problems, right? right? And you yeah. can unsubscribe to this podcast, that's fine, but <laughs> you're not doing it right, okay? Let me just tell you that. If you are not committed to and invested in a local church, you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're not in a place where you can be held accountable, where you can use your gifts, where you can, I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but you're not doing it right. The gospel produces the church and the church is realized locally in a local community of believers. Yep. Yeah, here's another one. Um, the church equips you to be useful for the Lord. The church equips you, and, and we get this out of Ephesians 4. You look at verse 12, and if you go to CBI, uh, Compass Bible Institute, that is our the verse that we, we, we hang our hats on when we think about CBI. And uh, what that says is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Um, we want to equip saints, and that's the point of the teaching and going there and being fed and uh, to sit under good teaching and understand it and be able to apply it to, to our lives so that 
we can continue to build up the body of Christ. It's not for us just to soak up head knowledge and think that, you know, we're smart and we can just use it for trivia and whatnot, but it's for us to get that, that knowledge and that teaching to go out, therefore, and share it and make other disciples and, and, and create other saints that are out there that are bold um, in this time of darkness in our world that we need it so much more. And so being able to go to a church that is, is, is feeding you God's word and that is, is building you up, that is allowing you to be sanctified and allowing you to continue to grow uh, in a relationship with Christ and know more about Christ. Right. Right. The, uh, the, the other element here is, is as you involve yourself in the church, another reason I think we're on number six maybe, is that the church gives you opportunities to fulfill the law of Christ. If you go to, to John chapter 13, this is where we're talking about the law of Christ. And Jesus has just washed the feet of his disciples. He's about to go to the cross and he gives them this commandment. He says, a new commandment I give to you. And here's the law of Christ right here, that you love one another as I have loved you. There it is right there. And so, man, the, the most tangible, practical way you can love other believers is within the body of Christ. It's in the church. And that's hard, mm-hmm. right? That's not easy. But that's no excuse for us to, to pull back from the church. I mean, if, if you want to be obedient to Jesus, the, the most practical way that you can be obedient and fulfilling that law, the new commandment, to love one another as Christ has loved us, sacrificially caring about other people, giving for other people, uh, getting uncomfortable for other people, um, just meeting needs of other people. The, the most practical way that you can do that is through committing to and being involved in consistently a local church. So important for us. Yeah. We get to number seven. It says the church is there through ups and downs. The church is there through ups and downs. And think about what Paul says in Romans 12 when he talks about the marks of a true Christian. He says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And so that that, that thought of Paul saying, if you want to outdo somebody, if you want to compete with somebody, compete in the, the manner of loving, being able to outdo somebody else, being able to serve, being able to meet needs of people that are within the local body. And that's what the church should be all about. When you see people that are hurting, that are in need, that's when we see the church body. They set up meal trains. They're praying for one another. They're, they're taking care of those things because that's what the body of Christ does. And so we want to be there because we know, as uh, Solomon tells us in Ecclesiastes 3, you know, there'll be time for joy. There'll be time for pain. There'll be t- time for just ups and downs in life overall as he goes through those 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 clear opposites that he talks about in that passage. But there's going to be those times where life is going well. There's going to be those times that life is not going well. And that's where we need the body of Christ to continue to point our eyes um, on Christ and let us know that this life is not it. We're we're focused. We need to be focused on eternity and uh, that next life where we won't have that pain anymore. Right. Paul says in Romans twelve fifteen, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And that's, that's that. I mean, life is full of ups and downs. You're going to have wins. You're going to have losses. And the church, being a part of a local church is going to put you in a community where people are going to celebrate with you. And man, they're going to, they're going to be there when you are down, when you are weeping, when you are suffering loss. And they're going to be entering into that with you, not just there to, to give you a Hallmark card and pat you on the back, but man, to weep with those who weep um, is is a, a huge reason why the church is important. Uh, number eight, the church is there to endure persecution with you. Peter says in 1 Peter 3 that we shouldn't be surprised when we face persecution. 
And I don't know if you've been paying attention to the news, but man, it seems like this world is hating Christians and Jesus and the things that we stand for in the Bible more and more and more and more with every passing day. And so, uh, man, you need a community. You need a, a family of Christians to endure persecution with you. I think of James Coates up in Canada and mm-hmm. uh, what he went through when he was arrested and how his church community circled around his family and loved his family and supported his family and made sure that they were good. When he was in jail, man, he didn't have to be anxious about his family's needs being cared for because he knew that his church family had them taken care of. They were suffering with them and and supporting them and encouraging them and meeting their needs, right? Uh, And so we need to be ready for persecution. And man, I'd much rather endure persecution alongside you than by myself, right? Right. Um, So yeah, it helps us uh, endure persecution. The next thing we think about is the church is where the spirit dwells. And so as believers, we are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. So we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And yeah, you think about back in the Old Testament where uh, God was was in the ark, right? God was in the temple. And in New Testament, once Jesus ascends to heaven, he has left us with the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. And so even that thought of getting a body of believers together in corporate worship it, within the church to have the unity and the a body of believers all indwelt with the Holy Spirit, pushing each other and encouraging each other and, and reminding each other of where God is is taking us and where what we our purpose is for this life. And so just thinking about that that idea of the church, the body of, of believers having um, corporate fellowship with the Holy Spirit amongst all of us, uh, being able to continue to lead us down the path that God wants us to go. Right, yeah, 1 Corinthians 6.19, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? And you may be saying, well, that's talking about us individually. No, it's not. It's it's If we had the Texas Bible, do y'all not know that y'all's body, <laughs> you plural is what it is there, is a temple of the Holy Spirit? He's talking about the church. In 1 Corinthians 5, he had just talked about the man who was sleeping with his father's wife, and he's saying, you need to get that person out of the body, out of the church, because it is corrupting to the church. And now he's saying, why in 1 Corinthians 6? Look, sexual immorality has no place in the church because the church corporately is the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Because the the, the full realization of the, the presence of God is is really, as we corporately gather together, that's what the, the, the design is, is for us to join together corporately to worship the Lord together as we're using the gifts that the Spirit has equipped us with to serve one another, to, to do life together. Um, and so, yeah, the, the church is where the Spirit dwells. That's another reason why to commit to the church. Uh, number 10 and 11, I'm going to combine these two, uh, and that is the church sanctifies you and protects you. It sanctifies you and protects you. That's why to commit to it, it sanctifies you. Galatians 6, Paul says to to Christians there, he says, look, if anyone is caught in a trespass, in a sin, you who are spiritual, restore that person in a spirit of gentleness, right? Uh, Matthew 18, we get the process of church discipline, right? Which is is a similar concept there. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's about our sanctification on the, the day-to-day level. It's about accountability taking place. It's about a brother confronting me, Galatians 6, if I'm caught in a trespass and saying, hey, this is wrong. You need to, to, to repent and, and, and leave off doing that and that sanctification that takes place there. But it's also going to protect me because, man, if, if I'm stubborn, then that's going to be escalated. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring now two people with me and say, look, I care about you enough. I'm not going to leave this alone. You, you, look, you, you've got to leave this off and repent. And then if I'm still stubborn, man, I'm, I'm going to bring you in before the elders and I'm going to sit you down before the, the, the elders and say, look, this is, this is sin. 
And we need to all call him to repent from this. Right. And even then, if I'm going to leave, uh, you know, refuse to leave, then we're going to the church as a whole. Right. And it says the church is going to treat me like a tax collector and a Gentile, right? Mm-hmm. That fellowship is going to be broken off. But, but more significantly than that, because the whole process of church discipline is meant for the restoration of the sinner, they're going to now look at me and go, that guy needs the gospel. Right. And that's the point there. That's the end of, of, of church discipline. Not just that they are out of the church and no longer a problem for the church, but we've identified that, man, they are... They don't belong to Christ, mm. um, and they need the gospel. So the church sanctifies me, but it also protects me from drifting. It protects me from walking away uh, through that process of of confrontation and church discipline. There, yeah. And the next one on the on the list, number twelve, the church encourages you. And we think about that passage, Hebrews ten. You can go to verse twenty four and twenty five. Says, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. And that passage there, it says to love and good works. We want to stir one another up. So that whole thought of even meeting together, there should be an intention with our fellowship. We shouldn't just show up to church just for a feel good to get in a whole bunch of conversations and say, hey, I, I talked to 20 people today. No, it's we, we should go there with the intention to stir someone up, to stir an individual up that, that needs to be stirred up. So there, there needs to be thought and prayer even in our, our time of uh, fellowship with one another if we are able to get something out of it because we want to go into it looking to help stir other people up with, for love and good works. It says not neglecting to meet as a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as we are currently in our culture now, it seems like every day there's something new that is against what Scripture is telling us to do. Well, that's what the church is for, is for us to continue to, to build each other up to know that, look, God is sovereign. God knows everything that's going on right now, and God's going to win at the end. God's in, to- in complete control, and we need to be able to encourage one another, hey, continue to press on, excel still more um, as the day draw near, because there will be a day where, where Christ is going to come back for his church, for his people, and redeem us. Um, but until that time, it's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. And together as a church, we need to encourage one another. And that happens when you're in fellowship and you're together with the body of Christ. Yeah, I love that passage in Hebrews 10 for a lot of reasons. But one of the reasons I love it is when it says to stir one another up, it's the word in the Hebrew that means, or in the Greek there, that means to annoy somebody, but it's used positively. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's annoy them to love and good works, right? right? It's like, yeah. don't let them get comfortable and complacent, but, but, be the pebble in the shoe. Be the burr in the saddle. Shake them up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get them after love and good works. Yeah. Right. Uh, finally, uh, the the church. A reason to commit to the church. The church is the visible body of Christ. Um, we read about that so many different places. Colossians two, First Corinthians. Uh, 12 through through 14, even when Paul says there that, uh, not in 1 Corinthians, but I believe it's in Colossians when he says, look, I'm filling up what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. Uh, such a weird statement, but at the same time, what he means there is, is Christ isn't here on earth anymore. What's here on earth right now is, is the body of Christ, and we are the visible manifestation of Jesus here on earth. In other words, we're here to do his work. We're here to do the mission of Christ, and that's done in concert with the local church. So we need to be part of the local church. Uh, and so such a, an important thing there. So there's 13 reasons. And here's the deal, man. I don't think we've got time to jump into the second half of this episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to come back next week with uh, questions to consider in choosing a church, um, how to walk through, how do I find a good church? What should I be looking for? Um, what should I be evaluating? Maybe you're in a church right now and you're thinking to yourself, man, should I stick around? Is this, there's some, some issues here. What should I do? Uh, we want to walk through what that looks like. And we're going to give you 10 questions 
to consider in choosing a church for you to commit to. So we gave you 13 reasons. Hopefully you're chewing on some of those as to why you should commit to a church. And maybe for some of you, this was just a good reminder. And you're saying, okay, I'm even more resolved to be all in where I'm at. And maybe for some of you, you're sitting there going, man, I, I need to, yeah, I need to up my game. I need to jump back in. I need to, to, to re-engage. Or for some of you, maybe it's, man, I need to commit for the first time. Whatever it may be, man, Kellen and I are going to be praying for you men this week that uh, you choose to lean in more uh, to the body of Christ here on earth, that you choose to commit, that you choose to be all in, that you choose to love uh, Jesus and love his bride um, for that's what he's called us to, men, and that is really the, the purpose of why we're still here is to be part of his body and to carry on his mission. So we'll be praying for you this week as you strive to be called in the name of God.